please, uh, please stop by uh, the desk uh, before you leave tonight in the south foyer. Find out how you might be uh, able to serve with Active Life. Judy will help you. I couldn't think of someone who's a better administrative director because Judy is so detail-oriented and so organized. We went to Israel together one or two times, and, and I was on the receiving end of Judy's uh, a serving heart. Folks, there's only one message about one Savior that could really, really guarantee us a pardon and adoption into the forever family of Almighty God. It's the gospel. It's the greatest story ever told, but there are manifold ways to tell it. So do not think if you're not inclined to be a street evangelist and you're not much like Billy Graham, there's only one of him, do not think, oh God, there's no way for me to tell the greatest story ever told. Here's still yet another way uh, to extend a bridge in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to needy and in this case, a young girl on the verge of a, an irreversible decision who's been guided in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to make the right one and bring forth a baby to make sure that that baby is raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If active life sounds like a good platform for you to use to tell the greatest story ever told, please go by, spend some time with Judy. Uh, Folks, it is wonderful to be in a church that is intent on taking care of its members, but also intent on extending the greatest story ever told outside its borders. Well, I want to talk to you some more tonight about some of the uh, foundational building blocks that we believe in uh, around here. We've been speaking about God, uh, no easy subject to speak about, and we want to continue to talk about one of his characteristics tonight. Before we do that, however, um, do you like words? I'm like a word guy. I'm kind of a fanatical word guy. I see when they're, when they're misspelled on the screen. And uh, I was in a doctor's office not long ago with my wife, and they had one of these charts on the wall, and I was looking for something to do, and I found that the publisher misspelled a word uh, on this anatomical uh, uh, chart, and, and I was, uh, it's a dilemma, it's a malady I have, but I have a good, <laughs> it's sort of a disease, but, so I don't want to infect you with it, except to tell you, I know a word that's really a good, it's actually not a whole word, it's part of a compound, it's a prefix, you've heard, have you heard the word omni before, omni? It's a good word, omni. I just, I'm not the only one who thinks omni is a good word. I had nothing to do today, and so I went on the internet, and I just pumped in the word omni, and it was unbelievable. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of pages of companies and businesses and organizations that have taken the name omni to represent their products and services, and it's because the word omni means all. So I looked at, for instance, the omni hotel chain. We have one of those here in Houston, don't we? Isn't there a car, does Dodge make a Dodge omni? Omni, that kind of thing. Have you ever been to Fort Worth? There's the Omni Theater in Fort Worth. It's like an IMAX kind of a deal. And then I looked up, um, and this is important. It'll change your life if you do it. I, I looked up and I found the Omni Metalcraft Corporation, the Omni Magazine, Omni International Furniture Company, Omni Medical Care, Omni Computers, Omni 
Optical Lab, Omni Energy Service, Omni Builders. And I was just thinking, if my wife and I weren't past child-rearing years, I am. I have to remind her that she is too. <laughs> it's over. Forget it. Enough is enough. Got enough gray hair. But, but, but if we were still at that stage in our life, I was thinking, oh, man, I would like to name our next child Omni. Omni Rothberg. It just has... <laughs> Such a nice ring to it. And I mean, I looked it up. It's a Latin kind of a thing. Omni comes from a Latin root word, which means all. And I figured out why these companies took the name Omni, because they sort of want to tell us, we are all you need. We, we are, we are, we, we, we like are all you have to acquire in this particular area. If you want a car, we got the Omni. We got the, we got the, like, like the all, the, the ultimate, the world's best kind of a thing. And then I looked up this word, omnipresent. Omni meaning all, present meaning a present and um and, and 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 so it means it's a reference to a characteristic of god which says he is all present and it just overwhelmed me as i put the two together and realized i think in a fresh way that is only true of god nobody else can claim omni presence. It means he is personally present in all places. And not only that, he's personally present in all places at all times. And so this is only true of God, not of us. In other words, there is absolutely nowhere he is not. He is everywhere at the same time. How? It's simple for him. He is not limited by space. He has no spatial limitations whatsoever because he is not made of physical matter. He has no size. He has no weight. He has no height. He's not ever going to bump into this thing or one of you. There aren't two bodies who cannot occupy the same space at the same time because though he created space, he's not limited nor confined to it so he can be omnipresent. He is not bounded by space at all. So we are. So for instance, if you are there, you cannot be over there. And if you are over there, you cannot at the same time be there. But that's like real easy for God because he is omni all present. He's here, there, and everywhere, not in sequence, but simultaneously. Folks, he's God. He's not like us and we ain't like him in this regard. You occupy, as a general rule, it's a good idea, one seat here at a time. Someone else is in another one. You do not want to occupy that space at the same time. It's bodies in collision. You are confined to a body which has size and weight and mass and density, some more than others. But this is not true of God. He is incorporeal. He is spirit and therefore he can be in existence and present in all places at exactly the same time. He has no body. So you have to be somewhere, as do I, and by definition, you cannot be everywhere, nor can I, but God can, for he is not confined 
to a physical body. So he is not just somewhere, though he is somewhere. He's not only somewhere, he is absolutely everywhere at the same time. So when you and I are present in one place, we are absolutely absent from all other places. This is not so of God. He fills all space. Therefore, he's not absent at all from any part of space. He's present at the same time in absolutely every place in the world, yet he's not confined to nor limited by the world. He's everywhere in the world, yet apart from the world. Now, this is very important. Otherwise, we fall into the heresy I mentioned to you a few weeks ago called pantheism, which makes such a close identification with the world and God that a real pantheist essentially says that God does not exist without the world. Oh, no, it's the other way around. The world does not exist without God. In fact, he's the one who created the world. He's everywhere in the world all at once and yet at the same time distinct from it. And by the way, if this is not true of God, he can't by definition be God because one of the requirements in order to be God, if you're thinking of applying for the job, is that you be omnipresent. You have to fill every space in the world which you as creator have created. You cannot be so far removed from it that it spins on its axis uh, independent of you. So folks, don't settle for a lesser God. I mean, why do you want to bow before uh, a God in a form and fashion that is much less than the true God, the one true God of the Bible who alone is omnipresent? And by the way, if God is omnipresent and he is, if he is everywhere uh, all at once, then there must be only one true God because the one true God fills, because he's omnipresent, fills the heavens and the earth. And therefore, since the one true God fills the heavens and the earth, there ain't no room for false gods where he is. So, so his omnipresence suggests to me there isn't a pantheon of gods all competing for the throne. There's only one omnipresent God and his very presence supplants all, all pretenders to the throne. Well, that leads to a problem though. If God is everywhere, isn't it inconsistent for us to say that he abides or indwells a Christian, but not a non-Christian. If God is omni, all-present, if he exists everywhere, what about those passages of Scripture which tell us that God dwells in the heavens? Let me respond to that kind of thing. Though God is omnipresent, that doesn't mean he manifests his presence in the same way at the same time. In fact, the omnipresent God has chosen, because he's sovereign, he can do what he wants. He has chosen to manifest his presence in different ways at, at different times. So for instance, uh, Almighty God does not dwell on earth in the same sense in which he dwells in heaven. Almighty God does not dwell. I mean, no disrespect. They just want to make a point. Almighty God does not dwell in animals 
in the same sense in which he dwells in humans. And Almighty God most assuredly does not dwell in the heart and mind and life of an unsaved person in the same way in which he does occupy and indwell the heart and mind and life of a redeemed person. So what are the implications of this attribute of God, that he is omnipresent? Could I just suggest two? Here's the first. Since he is everywhere, when are you and I going to stop trying to run away from him? Let's just stop being fancy and theological for a second. Let's just get real. If we're saying amen to his omnipresence, why don't we stop running from him and start running to him? Because how are you going to outrun an omnipresent God? Where in the world are you going to go? There was a time in Israel's history when she had many, many false prophets. And the false prophets were speaking lies to Israel in God's name. They were uh, giving the people kind of a false sense of hope and peace and comfort and all the rest. And God was upset about this. And so he... Uh, speaks through his spokesman then in the day, Jeremiah. It's in Jeremiah chapter 23, uh, verses 21 to 24. I'd like to read this to you. It says, I did not send these prophets, but they ran to you. I didn't speak to them, but they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have announced my words to my people and would have turned them back from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God far off? Can a man hide himself in hiding places so that I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? You see, that's a statement of the omnipresence of God. Am I only near and not also far off? Am I not a God who fills the heavens and the Where do these false prophets think? They could hide. Where could they? There is no place, my fellow earthlings, where you and I can go to get away from God. You cannot evade the omnipresence of Almighty God. Therefore, if I could just appeal to your logic, it makes sense to come to grips with his existence and present and make sure you're on good terms with Almighty God. You cannot run away from him. Where are you going to go? You cannot say things behind God's back. We do that to one another. I know that. Do you know that from God's point of view, there is no such thing as a secret sin. Secret from whom? Who are you trying to kid? Do you know he sees in the dark? Where are you going to go? The omnipresence of God is quite overwhelming. You better come to grips with who he is because you can't get away from him. You cannot even hide in the, from him in the inner recesses of your heart because he can find his way there. There is no place where you can flee from and avoid God. I think I shared this with you, but I'd like to do it again because it's, uh, it's like confession and it, uh, it makes me feel better. But if you heard this again, just read something until I finish. I was a new Christian, and I was led to the Lord by a guy who told me the greatest story ever told. Yep, even stiff-necked Jews can melt 
unto the power of the greatest story ever told and be converted, be convicted of sin and be converted to the Savior. So I was by this fellow, and his name was Mark Santo Stefano, a good Irish name, don't you think? We were in the military, and he uh, told me about the Lord Jesus, told me the greatest story ever told. Well, and then he discipled me. That's a good thing to do, you know what I mean? You don't want to just lead someone to the Lord and say, be warm, be filled, see you in eternity. You've got to help babes in Christ. To, girl, you want to bring them, get them involved in an iConnect class, you know, nurture them in the faith, stuff like that. So that's what he did with me. He discipled me, and then one day he said, he was giving me different uh, tasks I could see to mature me and bring me along in the faith. And so he gave me a task. He said, Stuart, I want you to organize uh, a prayer outing. I want you to get the guys. We were all in the military. I want you to get the guys together, guys who were hanging with us. And, and on Saturday morning, we're going to get up early and we're going to mount up in the vehicles and we're going to go to a nearby park and we're going to have an extended time of prayer. Will you do that? Yeah, I'll do that. And so the day comes for us to go and to pray. Did I tell you this before? Oh, yes, I did. You weren't listening. (laughs) So anyway, uh, the day comes and uh, he says, come on, let's go. We're going to be late. We got to mount up. And I said, I'm hungry. I told him, what do you mean you're hungry? I said, I, 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 I didn't get breakfast. I, I got to get something to eat. What do you mean you got to get something to eat? I told you this is the departure time. You're supposed to have it organized. The van's are ready. What are you doing? Well, he said, we're going to pray. I, Mark, I can't pray on an empty stomach. I'm just, I just, it's just not going to, you know, I got to get something to eat. He said, get in the van. We are leaving now. That's how it is. Yeah. And so uh, I did. And man, I had a bad attitude. If you can you can believe that. I, I, I just I sat in the back of the van. My arms were folded. You know what I mean? And getting ready to pray. <laughs> I was really getting warmed up, right? To meet with almighty, holy God with this kind of attitude. So anyway, we get to the park and uh, he gives instructions and he says, all right, here, here's the deal. Synchronize your watches. That's what military guys do. And so uh, he said, uh, go out and we're going to meet back in three hours. This spot, three hours. If you're not here, the van leaves without you. And so he says, split up, spend time alone with the Lord. We're going to get back and then we're going to share. What did the Lord say to you? What was it like? What did he share with you? So we split. So I go off deep into the woods and I'm thinking, I'm not praying. I just, I don't feel like talking to anyone. I'm not talking to God. I don't even like the people he redeemed. I mean, he could redeem who he wants, but I don't have to like him. I didn't ask to be put in their family. I don't like this family. Nothing but trouble is family. And so I had my Bible with me, but I just refused to open it. And I just decided, you know, I'm kind of uncomfortable here because I sort of think God knows where I am. So I know what I'll do. I'll go even deeper in the woods. I'm not kidding you. 23-year-old guy, stupid. How am I going to hide in the very woods which God spoke into existence in the power of his word? Someone tried to do this back in Genesis 3, remember? History repeats itself. So I'm out there in the woods. This is Omaha, Nebraska. I'm trying to get away with God. I'm I'm so upset because I realized I'm not succeeding. Wherever I get to, he got there before me. And I can't go back because he's hemmed me in. He's got me back there too. He's above, he's below, he's everywhere. Leave me alone. I was so upset and I was so frustrated and I determined 
oh my goodness, I cannot come up with a viable plan whereby I can get away from God. Neither can you. Go home tonight, figure it out. Write it down. Give it to me. I want to know. Come up with a plan, a workable plan, whereby you can get away from God. Where are you going to go in his universe and he can't find you? So I decided, oh, man. All right, look. If I can't get away from him, frustrated though I am, I might as well start talking to him. So I sat on a, on a stump. It was a felled tree, and I cracked open my Bible. And this is not a good Bible study method. You know, you ought to do stuff in a more orderly way. But I just cracked it open. And this is what I read. Where can I go <laughs> from thy spirit? Don't tell me the word of God. You know, we think we're reading the Bible. That's not true. It reads us. Where can I go from thy spirit or where can I flee from thy presence? Oh, man, I felt like saying, not so loud, please. <laughs> if I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me and thy right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to thee and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to thee. You can't run away from Almighty God. Therefore, run to Him. It makes sense. C.S. Lewis said, we may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world, he said, is crowded with God. It's crowded with Him, folks. Therefore, it's more logical to run to Him then away from. So that's the first implication of the omnipresence of God. The next, I won't take quite as long as this. Since he is everywhere, my fellow Christians, be comforted. <laughs> you can be frustrated by the everywhereness of God if you're trying to get away from him. But if you need him, and we do, and you're crying out to him, please be comforted uh, by the omnipresence of God. Since he is not limited by space, you and I can draw near to him at any time and in any place. I'm so grateful that he allows us to assemble as he does when we come here. But I'm so grateful I can meet with him even apart from the assembly, as can you. Because he's omnipresent. I need to worship him with this corporate body on Sundays, but sometimes I'm really troubled on Saturday. I don't want to wait for Sunday. Thank God I can find him Saturday in Pearland, Texas. <laughs> I can find him in my backyard. I can walk uh, around the corner. I can sit in the car. He's omnipresent. It's quite a joy to tell you the truth. Quite a comfort, the omnipresence of God. See, in the ancient world, gods were thought to be localized. So if you wanted to access your community God, you had to go to the area, the space where you could find him. It was usually a temple or a shrine. Thank God for the new covenant, which by faith under which has made us to be temples of the Holy Spirit. 
so I don't have to go to a building or a place on a particular day at a particular time because he has so graciously chosen to take up his abode in my life and in yours. If we ask him to, he's omnipresent. In the old days of localized uh, gods, it, it was commonly thought that if you went beyond a particular god's territory, then you were no longer under that god's umbrella of protection. This is not true of our God because everything is his territory. He is omnipresent. So he dwells among his people wherever they may be. Wherever his people are, there he can be found. His sphere of influence is no longer limited to a particular space, a particular time, a particular day of the week. Oh, no. He's everywhere. Be comforted by that. He's always near to his people. There's no place where his people are where he is not. No matter where we are, he's there with us. His omnipresence means he's always at hand. Therefore, you know what you and I should do? We ought to make his company the habit of our life. I don't mind being honest with you. I mean, why not? Um, I went home uh, uh, this afternoon because uh, uh, my wife is away and I had to feed the dog. Tell you the truth, is nothing really too earth-shattering, but I had, had to feed the mutt. And so, uh, so I went home, and then, uh, and, and then I was coming back to church because, you know, we're supposed to be here. And so uh, I was just really bothered by something, really, really discouraged, disenchanted, really bothered by something. I don't mind sharing that with you because you get that way too, don't you? Like right now you look pretty. No, I'm kidding. You know, it was, and, I, and for me when that happens, I just bottle up. I just don't want to talk. I don't want to communicate. And then I became so wonderfully overwhelmed by the fact, oh God, you're right here right now. Why should I deny that you are? You're omnipresent. You're here with me. So, oh God, let me get outside of myself and, 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 and let me enjoy your company. And let me talk to you. And, and, and let me get it out. And, and let's go to church. <laughs> the omnipresence of God. So what do we, you and I have the privilege of doing? Let's make his company the habit of our lives. Can you imagine the very ready, available, accessible presence of the King of Kings. In my car, it's just a Chevy Cavalier. It's not like it's a Lexus or anything. Yeah, I found God in a Chevy Cavalier. It's just four cylinders. I don't even have electric windows. <laughs> Wherever we are, we can access Almighty God because He is omnipresent. So, you know, when you study the names of God, I, I promise I'm going to land this plane here in about two minutes. You know, when you read in the Bible the names of God, how wonderful they are, it's not like, like Bob. You know, we give names because Bob, you, you know, like Omni Rothberg kind of goes together good. But the names of God in the Bible represent aspects of his magnificent character. So here's a name of God. Perhaps you're familiar with it. Yahweh Shammah. Or maybe Jehovah Shammah. I prefer Yahweh because actually it's more uh, uh, true to the Hebrew than Jehovah. But choose your poison, whatever you'd like. Yahweh Shammah is a wonderful name of God. It is found in Ezekiel 
uh, chapter 48, verse 35. I'd like to share it with you. Ezekiel 48, 35. It says, the city shall be 18,000 cubits round about. And the name of the city from that day shall be, the Lord is there. Well, as you translate to Hebrew, the phrase, the Lord is there, you know what you get? Yahweh Shammah. That's what it means. The Lord is there. So here's the context. I think you'll like this. I mean, uh, you ought to like this. This is good. Jerusalem had been destroyed. It was really a bad time in which Jeremiah, or excuse me, Ezekiel lived. The temple was destroyed. That's where you found God. You went to God on Shabbat in the temple. If you were a Jew, you get closer. If you're a Gentile, you got to stay in the court of Gentiles. Remember, you got a localized God under the old covenant. New covenant is far superior. So, so, so anyway, the temple's destroyed, and it was in 586 B.C. that this happened. The people, after Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed, were carried off into bondage by the Babylonians. They were in despair. Because with no Jerusalem and with no temple, how, where could they meet with God? You see? You can't meet with him in Babylon. So the people thought without a temple, there was absolutely nowhere for God to dwell. The Babylonians tore down God's house. He's homeless now. So they were really, really distressed. Not only had they been dragged off into slavery, but their God had also been forced to leave because his dwelling place had been destroyed. That's what they were thinking. And so God gives these words of comfort to Ezekiel the prophet in the verse I just shared with you, Ezekiel 48, 35. He says, ah, Ezekiel, tell the people, even as they're being carried off, tell the people, there's going to come a day when there will be a new Jerusalem. That's the city spoken of here, Jerusalem. There'll be a new Jerusalem. And its name then is going to be, the Lord is there, Yahweh Shammah. How did this comfort the people? God enabled his prophet Ezekiel to peer into the future beyond the struggles and the trials and the throes and the heartaches and the turbulence and the discouragement and the despair and the corruption of their present life situation. God enabled the prophet to stare into the future. And there Ezekiel saw a place where God's people would be forever in the presence of God himself and all of his glory and blessedness and greatness and bliss and security. The point Ezekiel tell the people, in times of trial, you have been given a grand and glorious promise of the abiding omnipresence of God. Nothing can come against God's people because he's always right there. The Lord is here and the Lord is already there. Yahweh Shammah. Name it, Yahweh Shammah. The Lord is there. Oh, I have to go here. The Lord is there. Oh, I have to move on. The Lord is there. The Lord is there. The Lord is there. He is our rock. He is our fortress. He is our, we sang it earlier, very present help in time of need. If you don't know him, you're trying to run from a God who could outrun you laughably. So his omnipresence ought to make you very uncomfortable. 
But if you know him, his omnipresence ought to provide you, even in this rather scary day in which we live, in some ways like Ezekiel's day, his omnipresence ought to provide you with great comfort. Oh, God, thank you for being near, accessible with me wherever I may go, no matter what may happen. This isn't just theology, is it? The omnipresence of God is a warning to the one on the run <laughs> and a comfort for the one who allows Almighty God by faith, your faith, to embrace you. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you beyond words for being here with us tonight. Not only here, but where we will go next. We don't know how you do it. We're doing the best we can to try to explain your everywhere-ness but it's a little hard for us because we're so limited and puny. Uh, but it's a reason why we bow before you and worship you. We're not you, are we? But thank you so much for letting us know you, be embraced by you, connected to you, respect you, love you as our Heavenly Father. No, oh God, it's our heart's desire for the greatest story ever told, a story about a wonderful God, massive and transcendent, who has come near in order to establish a connection with each and every person here, there, and everywhere, contingent on the person's willingness to connect. Thank you, omnipresent God, for never leaving us or forsaking us. And even when we wander from you, we can never get too far. This is our Father's world. Thank you for inhabiting it. Thank you for inhabiting our lives and our praises, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Yahweh Shammah, for being there. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.